This episode may contain explicit language. Welcome to Karen Feeding, the show where we raise the next generation together. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nearly 11, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast that's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. Today on the show, I'll sit down with Andy Mitchell and Sabrina Kohlberg. They're best friends, toddler moms, and the host of a brand new podcast from ABC and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms. We had a great chat to celebrate the launch of Pop Culture Moms this week, and you won't want to miss it. Then, we'll debrief with a round of everyone's favorite, triumphs and fails. So let's get going. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll see you back here for our interview with Pop Culture Moms. All right, we're back, and it's time to hear my interview with Andy and Sabrina of Pop Culture Moms. Their podcast launched this week, but they've been best friends for more than 20 years. So I started out by asking them how they met. We met... Um the first day of college, freshman year. We lived on the same floor. And yeah, we had like our own version of a meet cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like wandering around looking for friends. I didn't know anyone. And um, a, a very nice boy who turned out to now be Andy's husband said, I'm going to a party in this room. Why don't you come along? And it was Andy's room. Yeah. So. <laughs> and we've been we've been like inseparable ever since. So we've even we lived together so through college back so that was 20 years ago but then we lived in Manhattan together for a few years and now we live in different states but talk pretty much every day which I can't tell if is like a cool fact or a sad fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. That's a very cool fact. So what inspired you all to start this show? Well, we when we met both discovered that we, like each of us, absolutely loves TV, obsessed with movies. Like, sees, we, I mean, I don't go to the movie theater anymore, but like a big part of our relationship in the early days was going to the movies all the time. We both grew up with families that were obsessed with TV and movies. And so that's always been a real shared passion for the two of us. And we're always talking about what we're watching, what characters we like. And so... I think ever since becoming moms five years ago now, four for Sabrina, it's been interesting to look at the mom characters and all the shows that we're watching and kind of like, I guess, recognize like how our ideas about good moms versus bad moms have changed over the course of our lives from before having kids to now. So how have moms on TV and film changed your perspective on motherhood? Yeah, I think in the 80s and 90s, we really saw moms who were either really good moms or really bad moms. There was no in-between and there was no nuance to their experience. And I think now we're seeing more and more that there are moms who make bad decisions but still really love their kids. There are um, moms who are conflicted about being moms. There are moms who have the mental load. It's just we're seeing so many more aspects of motherhood portrayed. And it makes um, it makes you feel less alone when you're going through all those things. 
So what fictional moms matter to you guys and why? Who are the moms that you're obsessed with? Who are the ones that are role models? Who are the ones that you're like, oh my God, I never want to be compared to her? I think uh, I think we both have long loved Lorelai Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls. Although I think before having children, I thought, she was more of an ideal parent than I think of her now. Now I kind of can see the perspective of her mother on the show, Emily Gilmore, and you kind of recognize maybe there's like a little more codependence between her and her daughter than I would have liked that, or that I, then I want to set up with my kids, but we love her. We love Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Um, Who else do we love? We love. Um, In cartoons, we love Chili Healer from Bluey. Yeah, we're watching a lot of cartoons. Yeah, we're watching a lot of cartoons. Got toddlers. Um, You know, we recently just I we both watched Fargo, the latest season, and we loved Dot. Um, Yes, and Temple plays such a good mom on that show. She's fierce and oh, she was spectacular. And even her mother-in-law on the show, who is not supposed to be likable, we we both really enjoyed watching her. So she was a fun mom to see. You know, there are moms that we really loved watching. Like, I love watching the mom in Monster-in-Law. Jane Fonda is just so amazing. Um, I don't want to be like that. I have a son now, and I'm like, oh, gosh, never be a Monster-in-Law. But it's such a fun movie, and we loved every second of it. I love funny moms, like, on Hacks, Gene Smart is playing Deborah Vance and she's like a comedian and she's she's funny she doesn't have the greatest relationship with her daughter but she is like a mother figure to her I guess who is Ava on that show like is she her writing partner she's like her writing partner writing assistant but I think she's like I we love I don't know adding humor to the lens of motherhood is is natural and and something we love yeah what would you say is missing from the depiction of moms in film and television? Well, I think you can always, we could always beef up the representation of like balance not really existing or balance only being something that we can kind of feel or think we have, but it's not, it's not really an achievable goal for a lot of people. So I think in a lot of the TV and movies that we see, like moms, are there's like a either a a jokiness to the fact that like they have like in the movie bad moms for instance like all of the women seem to have these like really unhelpful incompetent husbands and it's like kind of played for humor that they're doing all the work like emotional work physical work for the family to take care of the kids and I think that we're realizing that there's a lot that that's not all we, we can't always play it for laughs that that's really the struggle of being a mom it's just that that mental load that you carry um is a lot of times it's out of balance with your partner and your um you're struggling day to day to kind of take care of yourself while pursuing maybe if you have a career you love if you have hobbies if you want to live a life that's fuller or I guess bigger than just being a mom. I think there's there's a lot to show in terms of like the range of what a mom is outside of just her role as a mom. Can pop culture help us to be better parents? And if so, how? I think it can. I mean, it 
lets us have empathy and it lets us teach our children empathy by watching other people's stories. So that's one thing that I think helps. And then we are watching these moms and we're really trying to mine them for any sort of tips we can get. (laughs) And, you know, they come. uh, So a lot of them are like things we wouldn't want to do. Like, you know, we don't necessarily love the cool mom permissive part of it, but we want to be friends with our kids. So like we're taking we're seeing these moms and we're seeing we're being entertained by them, but we're also thinking to ourselves like, hmm, maybe I can do that in my parenting and it would be helpful. Or maybe yeah. I I can't do that ever. Right. And I think the greater the range of like um, experiences you see or circumstances for moms, I guess Sabrina said it earlier, like it does help to make you a more compassionate person as a mom, as a friend, as a daughter, as a wife, anything. And it I think it also always makes us feel less alone, just knowing like even in the best circumstances, people still have their own struggles. So what can we expect from pop culture moms? Lots of really fun guests. Like we're talking to comedians and actresses. Um, We're talking to writers, uh, talking to a lot. I mean, people that I can't believe are talking to us on the show and they all have such interesting stories. So I guess like hopefully to show, I don't know, show the broadest range of like what motherhood looks like or what a maternal figure is in this world. So where can everyone find your show? So you can find our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can just click and subscribe and all that stuff. Five stars. <laughs> Rate it. Rate it five stars. All right. Well, thank you, Andy and Sabrina, for joining us. And congratulations on the launch of Pop Culture Moms. We'll definitely be tuning in. Thank, thank you. you. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed that interview. I know I did. You can find and subscribe to Pop Culture Moms wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what pop culture parents left a mark on you. So please email us at karenfeedingpod at slate.com or our favorite option, leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. We're always excited to hear from you. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, but we'll be back in a second for Triumphs and Fails. We're back and we're moving on to triumphs and fails. Elizabeth, do you have a triumph or a fail for us? I have a fail. Okay. <laughs> and I brought evidence. <laughs> okay. My children do not know how to clean themselves. They do not know how to take a shower. And I am not mm-hmm. sure how we have gotten this far in life without this skill. Like have I been bathing them for too long? Have I been like, just, I I don't know. Like, why am I still responsible (laughs) for the cleaning, for the cleaning of these children? Um, So so what really brought it home is that we have this onsen culture here where you go to a public bath. And as part of the onsen, you like really clean yourself before you, of course, get into this public bath and you're, uh, you've, Everyone is bathing naked. It's usually separated um, by, you know, your body parts. So all the boys are going to one penises on one side, vaginas on the other. That's how they do it here. So 
I this time, though, had um, Theodore come with me because at certain places, depending on the age of the children. So normally Jeff has been taking them all, but this time I took him. And when we sat down to do the cleaning, I realized that he just has not a clue how to clean himself, which triggered this memory that when they are in the shower, they are constantly yelling about what to put, like what to use when. So when they were showering this week, I took some, or last night actually, uh, I took some audio. So Mora has <laughs> clip number one, which is Oliver mid-shower coming downstairs to ask me about, well, I'll just, Mora, play clip number one. I don't think I understand. Okay. There's two out there, two conditioners. And I usually use the one- Let's go look so you can show me what you used. Okay, so now we, we walk upstairs because okay. he has come down. He's like dripping okay, in cold. So what did you use to wash your body? This? Yeah, the body one. Okay, good. And then I did this. Okay. And then I did um, oh, I see. Okay. this and this. So you did two conditioners. <laughs> right. So basically, true. instead of shampooing, he has used two conditioners. Now, at this point, I have gone into the shower and labeled each of these. So like I have circled the body and body wash. I have mm -hmm. underlined like the shampoo I've written hair, <laughs> you know. I do not okay. know he he found two different conditioners, used both, presumably no shampoo. Uh then I do I decide for Teddy we're going to do like an orientation. So if you play clip number 2, Teddy does this little orientation in the in the shower room. Yeah. Conditioner. Yeah, I wrote on them. Body salt. So which are you going to wash your body with? Body. Yeah, good. And how do you wash your body? Like this. Sweat, sweat. Yeah. Do you remember? Where did we learn that? The onsen. At the onsen. Okay. And what do you, th how do you wash your hair? Um, hair. Um, oh. Isn't there another one for you can, yeah. that's the required one. So that's he's going shampoo. through, we're actually yeah. like practicing. Then mm -hmm. I put him in the shower. Um, the shower room here, it's not like an American bathtub. It's like the whole room. Uh, you, you close the door. It's like more like if you've ever been on a cruise ship, kind of like that. And so to actually be in there, I would be getting soaked. So part of the like hope is that they can all be showering themselves. So I actually get Teddy into the shower. And this is clip number three, which is where I show you that we've learned nothing. There's something wrong right now. Huh? You can't put the shampoo in till what? Do you know? You get your hair wet. <laughs> <laughs> so he he has wet his body. He has the shampoo in his hand, and he has gone. The hair is totally dry, and he is uh -huh. applying shampoo to totally dry hair. He then uh, can't quite figure out how to rinse it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now shampoo. So you go in face first. Oh, I see like that. Yeah, yeah. Get the front though. You're, oh, cool move. Okay, get the front. I, I need to okay. If you got the front, it wouldn't drip into your eyes. Okay, go again. Keep so what this has all taught me is that my children do not know how to wash themselves. <laughs> I'm thinking like how, like I've sent them off places, uh, and they just don't know how to clean themselves. So wait, gonna, is it is it all of them? Yeah, all. I mean, Henry. Listen, Henry is eleven. He wants like he takes his showers, and I feel lucky about that. I believe he can clean himself. I have told 
you know, Jeff, when they were at the onsen, I'm like, is Henry fully cleaning himself? Does he yeah. know how to rinse his hair? But he is he is not interested in me participating in that at this point, sure. which is fine. Sure. Um, Because I understand Teddy's seven, like we're learning, but like Oliver also seemingly had no idea what was going mm-hmm. going on. Like he, <laughs> like the conditioner and shampoo looked different. He had no, and this is not, it's not like I've never brought it up. Like I say to him all the time, like, did you use shampoo? They're like, oh yes, I use shampoo. So I feel like maybe I haven't micromanaged it enough. Maybe I've sent dirty children walking around. Do they smell ever? No, no, they seem to smell nice. I mean, because they, they love to be in the shower, in the bath. The The advantage here, of course, is that we're going to these onsens. So at the you know, at worst case, like at least once a week, we're at a public bath helping them wash and they're getting into, you know, geothermal water. So maybe that's keeping them clean. Um, but I'm talking about like knowing how to clean yourself, like scrubbing mm-hmm. your body. I mean, how have they been since the tutorial? Well, that was so so that was last night. Okay. Uh, I TBD. feel like I've been doing it, but not as intentionally. Again, when I was at the onsen with Teddy, I just all of a sudden realized like, oh, he has not a clue like where to wash or how to lather the soap. <laughs> you know, I'm like, cause he's like sitting there watching me do it. Like, okay, I feel like I'm done. He kind of wet himself. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Like we have to like scrub our bodies here. Kids don't really like cleaning themselves. You know, like I think this is probably more common than you would imagine, you know, like yeah. I've heard a lot of stories of kids, like including like 11 and 12 year olds who just go stand in the shower and turn the water on, you know, or mm. splash a little water on themselves. Like kids go through a gross period. Where they're learning this, yeah. I think I'm just here yeah. exposed to all these children that have been, because, you know, families are taking their kids to these public baths. And so they are watching the adult they're with clean themselves. And often, like, when they go to these, they're going with grandma. Grand- like, it is like the family meets there and all goes to this bath. And so they really, these little children really know how to clean themselves. And so all of a sudden, I just felt like, I, why do I not know? So maybe maybe this is most children. All right. Well, Zach, are you taking a triumph or fail for this week? Uh, well, I'm going to stay in the bathroom for mine, but I, I'll take a triumph before I get into this. Um, my story is a little gross. It involves throw up. FYI. Um, all right. I, well, all right. So I'm going to end up in the bathroom, but we're starting at like midnight the other night. I hear Noah crying. I go in there. Um, she says her throat hurts. Um, so I think she has a sore throat and she's coming down with something. Um, so I like just sit with her for a couple of minutes and then she says her belly hurts. And then she says her throat hurts again. And then she's like, oh, uh oh. And she realized she had to throw up, um, mm. which I'm realizing she said saying her throat hurts is something that she said before preceding throw up. And I have to catch that pattern like as a it's coming. Um, yeah. So I picked her up and, and ran with her to the bathroom and we didn't make it all the way to our bathroom. She starts throwing up huge amounts um, on the floor in the hall. Uh, on the bathroom floor so much so that like it's coming out so fast that I like slip on her puke while while just like running oh, running what? to the toilet I don't fall fortunately but it's a, it's a it's an intense moment she makes it to the bathroom um and she proceeds to throw up like really more than I've ever seen her throw up just an just an unbelievable amount of liquidy throw up she throws up and like before she's even done throwing up remember I'm I'm 
in there with her before the throat is even done shira is already up um and cleaning up the throw up on the floor uh-huh. and uh you know then she goes and gets cleaner i i'm bathing noah shira is on cleanup duty i'm on noah duty at one point i'm she's still throwing up noah's still throwing up and shira's like zach hold her hair back which i think i was just in the moment not wanting to get throw up on my hand but shira's like dude get it get right in there um and so she was reminding me of that and it was just this moment of boy is it nice just to be on the same page in these mini crises um really many he like it was throw up not a huge deal but just for her and i to both kind of feel this sense of urgency um it felt really just congruent and i just felt so grateful for that um in the moment so the triumph is that shira and i took care of noah's throw up uh together and quickly turns out there was a stomach bug in noah's class a couple of kids had been sent home uh around the same yeah you know a couple days earlier so that's what it was she's fine she felt better 24 hours later but uh yeah it was a it was a gratitude moment well i'm glad that you can (laughs) turn that into something positive (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well no it could so quickly become like everyone's upset so you're yelling at each other or like you your frustration so it is nice in those moments when it's like forward moving and you just feel like you're just doing the job and we're gonna like get through this together yeah and shout out to all the parents who have kids who are chronically ill like i have so much respect for people who just do this day day in and day out did you keep the stomach bug out of your house otherwise though like somehow somehow none of us including somehow none of us got it yeah Sometimes that's actually the worst for me. I then live in the anxiety that it's coming for the rest mm-hmm, of us. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Like any day now, we're all going yeah. down. Yeah, we lucked out. I'm glad she's feeling better. Thank you. How about you, Jamila? What have you got? I've got a fail. So I've mentioned before that clothes are a very contentious topic with Naima at this point. Um, I think I've mentioned it. Like... Mm-hmm. The child who was once my paper doll, you know, like I took so much pride and joy in dressing her and she was such a stylish little kid, you know, like just really fabulous pieces. And I found them, you know, at places like Target and H&M and, you know, I took pictures of her in her little outfits and she loved it. And, you know, for these last couple of years, she has not really wanted much input from me when it comes to fashion. And it sucks, you know, because there was a time where even when she had kind of started to take the lead on dressing herself, like I could still come home with something, you know, for her and be like, hey, I bought this. And she'd be like, cool, I like it. And she'd wear it. And now she just hates everything that I pick. And mm. so I keep saying, like, I'm not going to buy anything without her present. You know, I just can't do that anymore. And she's asked me not to do it anymore. But I was in the mall the other day and I saw the cutest jacket. <laughs> um, it was pink and it had sequins on it but they were these kind of funky sequins and so it just looked like diamonds dancing all over it and I was like this is really fly like Naima's gonna like this and it was on sale so I bought it and she looked at it and she says you saw this and thought of me Mm. (laughs) and 
I was just crestfallen, you know? And so like, I kept trying to convince her. I was like, you know, just wear it to school. Like your friends are going to tell you it's cute. Like, just give it a shot. You know, like your mom has good taste, like, please. Right. You know? And so like, I end up coercing her into wearing it to school one day. I can't, I think it's because maybe her other jacket was at her dad's house or, you know, for some reason I was able to get away with getting her to wear this jacket. And I took a couple pictures of her. You can see them on my Instagram page and she looks so cute. And, you know, I comment, I, I posted like in the caption, I was just like, you know, um, something about how like Naima would re- and all the other kids in LA dress like Rue from Euphoria, you know, but, but this jacket is so cute. And could you please tell her that? And, you know, all these people commented like, oh, it's so cute. It's mm. so cute. And this uh, woman that my sister knows was like, it is cute, but do you think that all these internet aunties co-signing it is really going to make her like it more? (laughs) 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 And I realized that was a good point because I still think of myself as cool and hip and aware of what stylish, you know, but to my child, I am just not that anymore. Right, no matter what, it seems. Yeah, like Like, even if she liked it, I agree, Zach. The fact that you brought it home, yeah. <laughs> like, like made it yeah, not cool. Yeah. Made it not cool. Like I just can't, I can't win with her anymore. And I just take so much joy in buying her clothes, you know, like, so I just really miss that, you know, yeah. like all she really wants are concert tees and biking shorts or wide leg jeans. It's a bummer. It I miss my bummer. princess. Mm. From what I understand, this comes back around, right? Like, she's going to realize you're cool, but it's true. It might not be until she's, like, 22. Oh. <laughs> can, I mean... Long time to wait. I could be I'm wrong. Like, how can you still... Like, can you text her pictures of the stuff? I mean, you'll still get the rejection. But I also feel like it's hard for you because that's a way you're also, like, showing her... You know, it's to be like, I was out and I was thinking of you also, or, like, this reminded me of you. And so then for her to just be like, What? <laughs> Would it hurt less if you didn't actually buy it? (laughs) Maybe. I think next time I'll. And I thought about texting her a picture and I was like, no, it's just so cute. Like, this is a no brainer. It's 50% off. How could you not like this? Yes. And I was wrong. Can you have someone else give it to her? I'm like, how can we? (laughs) I need to, like, get in cahoots with one of her little friends. Yeah, give it to her friend. friend be like i think this would look nice on you (laughs) (laughs) plant it i gotta like pay a kid in candy (laughs) i do feel like listen we've had all the experts on you know middle schoolers come on and say to us that breaking away from us is a very important part of development Mm -hmm. and so yes this hurts that it sucks. But also, you're raising a child who is pulling away, which they're supposed to be doing, which means, you know, she's not emotionally stinted. So, yep. triumph. <laughs> triumph. 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 <laughs> sucks for yeah, you. Right. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. Yep. All right, listeners. As always, we want to hear your parenting stories, too. Did you have a particularly great triumph or a funny fail? Send them to us and we might share them on the show. You can write to us at our email address, careandfeedingpod at slate.com, or leave a voicemail at 646-357-9318. We want to know what all of you think, so be sure to reach out and keep the conversation going. And that's our show. 
subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. If you want more parenting advice, you can find Karen Feeding, the column, on Slate.com. This episode of Karen Feeding is produced by Moira Curry, with special thanks to Rosemary Belson. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening.